Section 34 of Pantrophion. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Pantrophion by Alexis Soyer. The Table, The Table Seats. It is pretended, says Athenius, that in the Homeric times each guest had a table to himself, on which he was served with a saddleback of beef or a whole sheep or goat. It was the custom among the heroes, all men of high lineage and tolerably aristocratic in their tastes, the burglars of those warlike times and the villains of the epoch ate their dinner without form or ceremony on a heap of grass which also served them as a seat or couch wooden tables at first very clumsy ones no doubt only came into use when the development of human industry had enabled men to understand that they might be preferable to a truss of hay a passage in homer would seem to show that they were very much like ours perhaps the circular form was generally preferred luxury soon called for the most precious metals and the greeks had at a very early period tables of bronze and even of fine silver the isle of rena produced magnificent ones and an expensive fashion caused those luxurious pieces of furniture to be prized when they presented delicate incrustations of silver bronze or ivory and rested on lion's claws or leopard's feet cenus mantelus introduced these rarities into rome after the conquest of asia he also was the originator of tables veneered with plates of gold which ere long adorned the dining-rooms of princes and senators and the excessive price of which only surpassed by that of tables made of precious woods from distant countries the maple the witten and a species of african lemon tree occupied the first rank and the prodigious skill of the workmen gave them a value superior to gold and silver the most beautiful of these tables were spotted or veined to imitate the tiger or panther's skin but they acquired an exorbitant claim upon the admiration of connoisseurs when they bore the marvellous design of a peacock's tail this fantastic play of nature commanded a boundless price an artist of unrivalled talent carvilius polio was the first according to pliny who enriched these magnificent woods with bulwark of ivory and shell in the acme of perfection under the reign of nero the romans dyed this shell and thought to increase its primitive value by giving it the tints and accidental shades of the cedar the maple and the lemon tree these splendid pieces of furniture were at first square then round then in the form of a half circle or half moon and this horseshoe-shaped table they called a sigma from the name of that greek letter 
which resembled our sea the guests whom any person wished to honour most were placed at the extremities of this hemicircle overlaid with magnificent covers which replaced the skins of beasts formerly used for their adornment and in addition they were spread with tissues of fine linen and rich stuffs elaborately worked the tables were changed at each course the greeks cleaned them with sponge the latins used a sort of thick plushed linen cloth the opulent the opulent citizens possessed a great number of tables some were ivory others of maple wood cedar of mount atlas or lemon cicero had one of this latter kind of wood which cost him twenty thousand sesterces about one thousand four hundred and eighty pounds they rested on one two or three feet and were called monopedes bipedes and tripedes the romans often changed tables only twice during the repast fish and flesh appeared on the first and the fruit was served on the second the same custom was common to the greeks and the oriental nations the hebrews had also two tables in their solemn feasts and sacrificial banquets on one was served the flesh of the victim and on the other they placed the cup of benediction which passed round from one to another and was called the cup of praise the luxury of rome seemed to revive after she had become extinct st remy bishop of reims left to his heirs a silver table embellished with figures charlemagne had three made of the same metal the first represented the ancient capital of the world the second constantinople the third every known region of the earth amar vicon of limoges found on his estate a treasure which consisted of a table round which were seated an emperor his wife and several children all as large as life and of massive gold richard coeur de lion pretended that the treasure belonged to him as lord of limousin and went to lay siege to the castle of calons to which amar had retired where the king received a wound of which he died the sixth of april eleven ninety nine silver tables still existed in the seventeenth century madame de savine sixteen eighty nine speaking of persons who following the example of louis the fourteenth sent their plate to the mint says madame de chales has sent her table two gourdillons and her beautiful toilet of silver gilt at some distance from the sigma on a slightly raised platform were three kinds of elegant credences for the cups wines and vases the major-domo himself generally attended to this part of the service a very curious old book cited by strutt the book of carivin contains the following instructions as to the manner of laying this cloth for the king of england serve your sovereign with wafers and pockrus also lock your post be fair and clean 
and your ale fee days old before men drink it and be courteous of answer to each person and when ye lay the cloth wipe the border clean with the cloth then lay a cloth take your fellow that one end and hold you the other end then draw the cloth straight the bot on the outer edge lay the outer part and hang it even then take the third cloth and lay it bout on the inner edge and lay a stat with the upper part half a foot broad then cover thy cupboard and thine awry with the towel of the paper then take thy towel about thy neck and lay that on side of the towel upon thy left arm and thereon lay your sovereign's napkin and on thine arm seven loys of bread with thee or four trencher loves with the end of the towel in the left hand as the manner is then take thy salt cellar in thy left hand and take the end of the towel in your right hand to bear in spoons and knives then set your salt on the right side where your sovereigns shall sit and on the left side the salt set your treachores then lay your knives and set your bread one loaf by another your spoons and your napkins fay folder beside your bread then over your bread and treachores spoons and knives and at every end of the table set a salt cellar with two trencher loaves and if ye make your wrapper mannerly then take a towel of reins of two yards and a half and take the towel by the ends double and lay it on the table then take the ends of the bot a handful in your hands and wrap it hard and lay the end so wrapped between two towel upon that end so wrapped lays your bread bottom to bottom six or seven loaves then set your bread mannerly in form and when your sovereign's table is thus arrayed cover all other boards with salt trenchers and cups and say then uri be arrayed with basins and ewers and water hot and cold and see ye have napkins cups and spoons and see your pots for wine ale be made clean and to the surnap make curtsy with a cloth under a fair double napri then take the towel's end next you and the utter end of the cloth on the utter side of the table and hold these three ends at once and fold them at once that a plate pass not a fort broad then lay it as it should lay and after met wash with that that it at the right hand of the table ye must guide it out and the marshal must convey it and look on each cloth the right side be outward 
and draw its strength that must ye reese the upper part of the towel and lay it without only going and at every end of the towel ye must convey half a yard that the sewer may make reverently and let it be and when your sovereign hath washen draw the syrup even then bear the syrup to the mids of the board and take it up before your sovereign and bear it into the ewe again and when your sovereign is set lock your towel about your neck then make your sovereign curtsy then uncover your bread and set it by the salt and lay your napkin knife and spoon afore him then kneel on your knee till your purpane pass eight loaves and look ye see at your ends o the table four loaves at a mess and see that every person have napkin and spoon and weigh well to the server how many dishes be covered that so many cups cover ye then serve ye forth the table mannerly that every man may speak your curtsy the table seats the jews originally sat down to their meals but when they became subject to persia they laid on couches at their repasts like their conquerors and other oriental nations from which the greeks and romans borrowed their custom the most distinguished place was at the head of the table at the extremity of the room near the wall saul sat in this place of honor under the reign of solomon the hebrews still used seats the egyptians were early acquainted with the effeminate sumptuousness of table couches they often placed on them the venerated images of jupiter juno and the king himself before they had adopted this refinement of oriental luxury the greeks sat at their repasts on chairs more or less costly but all very elegant similar to those who which adorn our drawing-rooms and which have been modelled from theirs homer's heroes sat down to table and alexander the great appears to have preserved the custom that prince giving a repast to ten thousand persons caused all to be seated in silver armchairs covered with purple however hessengander assures us that among the macedonians he who had succeeded in killing a wild boar reclined at full length whilst the other guests remained seated italy always imitated greece and like her had table couches which at first were only used by men a feeling of propriety interdicted their use by women but the relaxation of morals seconded by faction soon banished this seeming reserve and the two sexes could only eat in a reclining posture a round low table made of common wood and resting on three legs was placed in the dining-room of persons in humble life the rich had it made of lemon or maple wood and supported by a single ivory foot 
the three couches at most were arranged round this table triclinium sometimes two which platus names biclinium and these they covered with purple or other magnificent stuffs before they placed themselves the guests performed their ablutions and threw off their togas to substitute the dinner robe they then took off their sandals and lay down three or four on each couch the rules of good society did not allow that number to be exceeded the upper part of the body was supported by the left elbow the lower part was extended the head was slightly raised and downy little cushions supported the back when several persons occupied the same couch the first placed himself at the head in such a manner that his feet nearly reached the shoulders of the second guest whose head was before the middle of the body of the preceding one from whom he was separated by a cushion and his feet descended to the back of the third guest who followed the same order with respect to the fourth when a couch contained three persons the one in the middle occupied the place of honor when there were four that distinction belonged to the second the place at the head of the couch was only offered to the most worthy when not more than two persons were on the couch among the persians the middle place was reserved for the king cyrus placed on his left the guest to whom he wished to do the most honor the next on his right the third on his left the fourth on his right and so on down to the last in greece the most distinguished personage occupied the head of the table the voluptuous heliogabus only made use of couches stuffed with hairs down or partridges feathers the emperor ilias versus introduced a more exquisite novelty he had his filled with lily and rose leaves the first of these princes a cruel monarch or capricious child according to his strange whims amused himself sometimes by placing on a couch round the sigma at one time eight bald men at another eight gouty men one day eight gray-headed old men another day eight very fat men who were so crowded together that it was almost impossible for them to raise their hands to the mouth and the brainless dolt shook with laughter at their efforts and their contortions one of his favorite diversions consisted in filling a leathern table couch with air instead of wool and while the guests were engaged in drinking a tap concealed under the carpet was open unknown to them the couch sank and the drinkers rolled pell-mell under the sigma to the great delight of the beardless emperor who enjoyed greatly his espalieri the celts seated themselves at their repast on hay before very low tables the belgians reclined on kind of a couch the gauls on the skins of dogs or wolves these different authorities are easily reconciled for they relate to different cantons of gaul the use of couches was not unknown in the middle ages 
we find the proof of it in the fable of the thirteenth century we have also the description of a magnificent repast given by a bishop to two great officers of charlemagne at which the prelate was seated or lying on feather cushions but this fashion was unsuccessful and people preferred wooden seats and stools covered with carpet when they gave a great feast they seated the guests on benches banks whence came the word banquet henry the third of france introduced armchairs for himself and folding stools for his suite sometimes people eat on the floor st arnold bishop of soissons took his repasts in that manner on the day of the dedication of a church after having had carpets spread on the ground in the winter the banqueting place was spread with straw or hay and in summer with grass and leaves pelicans and tavern keepers decorated their rooms in like manner the gallantry of the middle ages has led to the adoption of a rather singular custom which consisted in placing the guests two and two man and woman and serving for each couple one common dish which they called eating in the same porringer neither had they more than one cup in families the same goblet served for all st berlanda was disinherited by her father who was exasperated because under pretext that he was leprous she had washed his goblet before making use of it for herself a passage in martial would seem to imply that the guests among the romans laid the cloth themselves that is to say they spread on the sigma the stuff more or less precious with which it was then to be adorned a somewhat whimsical custom was established in the middle ages of chivalry when it was intended to affront any one a herald or king at arms was sent to cut the cloth before him and turn his bread upside down that was called cutting away the cloth and was practised in reference to cowards and faithless vassals it is thought that bertrand drudgelin was the originator of this custom mention is made of tablecloths in the life of saint alloy they were in use on common tables but the costly ones were not covered these cloths were plushed and shaggy as we find by the description of nicholas the author of a poem on louis de debonair they were of vast dimensions in the inventory of certain effects in the monastery of fortenelle in the ninth century we read of four tablecloths each of which measured twelve yards and a half by two and a half another twelve and a half by three and three quarters and thirteen three yards and three quarters wide in the twelfth and thirteenth centuries tablecloths were called in france doubliers doubtless because they were folded in two this practice was eventually given up and instead of a double cloth the first was covered by a smaller one and removed at the last course henry the third 
required this dessert cloth to be artistically plated so as to present pleasing designs napkins were much used in greece and italy in the time of augustus and many years after each guest brought his own as we bring our pocket handkerchiefs catullus complains of a certain asinius who had stolen his marshall brings a similar accusation against a parasite named hermogenes napkins were sometimes made of asbestos and they were thrown into a brazier to clean them but these rarities were seldom possessed by any but princes for asbestos was as expensive as jewels the constitution of st agonistus for the monastery of frontenelle mentions plush napkins to wipe the hands but they were only used before and after the repast the town of rheims was renowned in the middle ages for the manufacture of table linen when charles the seventh made his entrance there they presented him with napkins very rich and curious by reason of the beautiful flowered work end of section thirty four recording by lindemarie nielsen vancouver b c